Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Howl with a Pack. With me I have co-founder of Woodpack Management, Simon. Hey Simon, everyone. Say hello. <laughs> hey everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, because of a event which is happening right now, which is the Inven Esports Investment Summit, we are doing a special episode today. It will be a hot seat and I will pick a little bit uh, of Simon's thoughts on investments, on, on different related gaming topics around investments and it, I'm sure it will be great fun. So let's just get right into it. <laughs> All right. Okay, so there's very recent and interesting news to start off with. Um, news this week came out that HP the hardware and um, computer manufacturer has acquired HyperX for 425 million USD. Uh, have you heard of it? And what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I've heard about it recently. I had to look into it a little bit um, to see what exactly was was going on. Um, of course, this is a very big acquisition and a very big step, in my opinion, of HP more towards the, the um, esports and gaming segment. Uh, of course, they already had um, HP Omen. Uh, mm -hmm. HP, of course, is, is known as more of um, a conservative brand in general. Uh, and a lot I, of business equipment, business laptops. Yeah, exactly. Right. Printers. They are very well known mm -hmm. for their printers as well. And I think the the acquisition with HyperX is actually quite well. Uh, HyperX, of course, belong to to Kingston Technologies. Um, I know HyperX back in the day first of all from from uh, sponsoring teams like uh, TSM. Back in the day when mm -hmm. I was a huge TSM fan, uh, of course they are sponsoring a lot of other teams like uh, see Cloud9, I think Counter Logic Gaming, uh, SK Gaming, um, still TSM, Dignitas, uh, Virtus Pro. So they have a, a ton of sponsorships and and connections in in the segment. Mm -hmm. While HP Omen. Uh, from my research, they really only have one sponsorship, uh, and that's with big. Uh, I think it's it's called Berlin Berlin International Gaming. So mm -hmm. that is uh, the. I've, I've seen it somewhere on white jerseys. Is it that one? Like white jerseys and then Omen as the main sponsor. I've seen it somewhere. Yeah, could be, could be. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't have the these jerseys in mind, so. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but as far as I know, that is the only eSports sponsorship um, that HP Omen did. So uh, from my own perspective of Omen, I would say they are very professional, but also uh, they they try to, to have, uh, to go more into the... the um, design-wise into the esports and gaming sector but still for me they they never felt like um oh my god omen is one of those pure uh esports and gaming uh types of of merchandise so it still still felt uh very um 
yeah, very conservative to me as HP is a very conservative company. Uh, now with HyperX, I think that completely changes. So um, my thoughts on that uh, in general, there could be a lot. I mean, why they did the deal is, is really only known to uh, the deal makers themselves. I've read uh, a comment of the, I think the CEO or CEO of, of Kingston Technology. And he mentioned that uh, they are very happy with the deal uh, because they have very similar um, work cultures, very similar goals and visions, and that they think that HyperX will be a very good addition to, to HP. So mm -hmm. could be that... Uh, that Kingston Technology now wants to focus more on their hard drives and RAM, which they um, mm -hmm. did to begin with. And of course, HyperX uh, started with uh, with doing um, RAM for computers. I think one of the first uh, third-party uh, RAMs that I actually bought when I built a computer was uh, HyperX. Mm -hmm. So... Of course, uh, later on, they uh, branched out into very similar segments that um, HP Omen also did, like uh, mice and keyboards and uh, headsets, etc. So they could definitely be seen as a competitor. And in that, I would say that HP uh, kind of pursues a, a strategy of um, horizontal integration first and foremost by um, expanding uh, their market and maybe even market uh, penetrate markets i don't exactly know the the geographical markets of hp omen and, and HyperX. didn't find too much info on that one i think omen because of the price point i think it must be uh, developed western countries that's mm -hmm. my best guess yeah, yeah. I know that uh, Omen is from, I'm pretty sure Omen is from the USA originally, and mm -hmm. uh, Kingston Technology from the UK, I think. Not 100% sure on this. Of course, um, the strategy that goes along with this, as I already mentioned, is uh, um, one in regards of marketing and image, because... Mm -hmm. HyperX is way more involved, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning with the sponsorships, way more involved in esports and gaming. And I think it's uh, more in the minds of people as uh, yeah, as esports and gaming equipment provider than Omen actually is, mm -hmm. even if they have very similar products. And, and as, as we know from our capacity, HyperX also has a lot of sponsorships, not only at the top teams, but uh, new teams. Uh, yeah, teams yeah. that are up and coming and even individuals which i think it, it's something that only a few sponsors do on that uh to that extent and mm -hmm. omen certainly i would be surprised yeah i mean of course not all of those sponsorships are uh, going to involve money probably yes. a lot of these sponsorships uh, involve equipment rather uh, but I, I counted the, the sponsors that I immediately found on the internet and HyperX sponsors uh, 20, uh, 28 teams in, in total. So quite a lot, mm -hmm. uh, especially a lot, opposed to the, the one. Heavy, right? hmm? Like very well-known teams. 
Um, can take a look real quick. I wrote them down. There's there's a lot I didn't know. Of course, a lot that I know, like I already mentioned, Cloud9, CounterLogic, EchoFox as well. And then there's uh, some that I don't know, like uh, Alsen, AT Gaming, Isuba. Mm -hmm. uh, some that I maybe I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not doing a proper job for not knowing them, but. Uh, yeah, there's there's uh, several that I actually didn't know before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, generally we can put that under the category up and coming mm -hmm. or new teams, I guess. Yeah, exactly. At least not uh, commonly established across the board. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, f my final thought was, I mean, of I mentioned, of course, that uh, HyperX and HP Omen, of course, were competitors because they um, offered very similar products to one another. Mm -hmm. And who knows what will go on behind the scenes uh, because now that uh, Kingston Technology um, sold HyperX to HP, uh, there is potential um, potential vertical partnerships possible. Um, as I said, Kingston Technology uh, not only offering um, third-party hard drives and RAM, but they also do um, they also sell their hard drives and RAM to producers. Actually, so could be that this is part of of a deal that will go on behind the scenes where. Uh, Kingston Technology then acts as a provider um, yes. for for hardware for HP um, without having a conflict of interest by uh, yeah basically providing hardware to a competitor. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I looked quickly. I think uh, less thoroughly than you into it. And uh, for me, there's if I can say one sentence about each Kingston. Of course, uh, they have a lot of the uh, electronics and chips mm -hmm. uh, for for computers, laptops, or any, any device. And HyperX was really the only one where they need to directly sell to customers. So there's enormous costs because it doesn't synergize to what they usually do, which is uh, put their uh, put their products into packages that then get sold directly to to consumers. So I guess there's a lot of maintenance that is needed when you have exactly one business where you need to be customer facing and uh, directly deal with customers uh, at the very end of the of the value chain. Mm -hmm. on, on the other hand, obviously what what we see by HP, you have esports and gaming, especially, I mean, of course, there's mobile gaming, but even, um, let's say more uh, hardcore gaming of course the market is growing so if you have a growing market your aim should be to also grow your market share and mm -hmm. as you said if you have horizontal um, integration then obviously you have uh, multiple brands either you uh, synergize with them or you just leave them as is to just get the market share on, on the um, let's say more more hardcore or intense gaming part and that's that's i think how you I would separate between the two train of thoughts of, of the acquirer and the, and the divester. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it would uh, definitely be advisable that HP uh, leaves HyperX as is in terms of um, 
terms of the public perception because I think they did a, a very good job marketing-wise compared mm -hmm. to, to HP when it comes to the esports and gaming sector. I mean, mm -hmm. another factor here as well is um, that regarding revenue, uh, I think HP is around five to six times uh, larger than, than Kingston technology, mm -hmm. which means they should have a lot more funding um, at the ready if they really want to to drive their diversification more towards the esports and gaming sector mm -hmm. i mean the fact that i would have expected i mean if you just read hyperx is acquired by another company i would have just ballpark for a second coming in i would have thought okay it's going to be something in the million in the billions Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. that's really where you see the effect of the marketing, even right where you think it's omnipresent. Uh, they must sell a lot, and mm -hmm. the revenues might be uh, must be really high. And then you have something in the hundreds of millions. That comes a little bit as a surprise for me. Of course, I hadn't looked into their financials and the mm -hmm. ballpark of revenue. But I mean, that's how you see that the marketing <laughs> is really working, uh, even on the financial side. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's, from this current event, maybe just another thing that's current, but not that immediate, um, just to pick your thoughts on the current state of investments around esports and gaming entertainment. What do you think? Ooh, uh, hard to say. First of all, I would probably split that question up because esports and gaming in terms of investments are very different as you probably have seen with the example with HyperX. So for mm -hmm. esports in general, I think that esports is a little bit um, bloated and chaotic in terms of uh, the connection that oftentimes there's a lack of, of info on good investments uh, that because of this lack of, of info and lack of transparency, um, oftentimes you will see uh, objectively weaker investments actually get the, the funding and the in investments while strong ones uh, do not get the funding and the investments, which is, again, uh, due to the lack of transparency and, and oftentimes connections because the esports sector is, is uh, very driven by um, connections. I would kind of compare it a little bit um, to the dot-com bubble, but in a weaker manner in the sense that, I mean, in, in the dot-com bubble, uh, people were hyped for internet companies and mm -hmm. uh, spent a lot of money on them, even if they were not objectively good ideas or would not bring in uh, any return on investment. Uh Still, uh, it brought forth some of the giants that we have today. And I think it's going to mm -hmm. be very similar in the esports uh, sector. I think there will be, um, yeah, at some point um, you will have to divide the, the wheat from the chaff, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> basically. So you will see some some of the... the, um, the uh, Businesses and organizations or ventures in, in esports, uh, few you will see succeed and go to the moon. Um, but I think a lot of them, uh, yeah, a lot of them will, will drop over time. 
Mm-hmm. So I really like the comparison, and that's mainly because I think the dynamic is the very same. Of course, the fundamentals just, I mean, we were quite young back then in the pre-2000s. Mm-hmm. But I imagine people were investing because maybe, number one, they had seen some success in the 90s of companies that went into what we now call digitization and IT um, mm-hmm. technology. Yep. But also the fundamentals, they thought the fundamentals are strong. Uh, digital products, services, and business models will uh, be significant in the future. And looking into in the 2000s and 2010s, uh, that's actually true. But that wasn't true for each company yeah. that was <laughs> on the market in the 2000s. So the fundamentals, yes, and then you, of course, need to look into the exact company and also not be swayed by hype, but really uh, see what, what the traction is and what the, what the deliverables and short and medium term is, not, not just the promises. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in, uh, in that regard, I think it's, it's a very similar dynamic. It's a good, good comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that changed over time as well is... Um, what investors actually are. That's something when answering these these questions always to keep in mind. Um, so I think the, the three main ones would be institutional investors, mm-hmm. um, private investors from the, the uh, investment uh, sector, the finance sector, like hedge funds, for example, uh, funds in general, uh, exchange-traded funds, ETFs. Um, and then you have uh, basically like the 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 other types of of private investors, uh, personal households, because nowadays everyone can really can be an investor if he has the if he has a little bit of money left. I mean, I can buy, I don't know, probably a, a share of of HP right now if I want to. You could, yeah. But that's only the publicly listed ones. So yeah, exactly, the, exactly. The private equity market is secluded, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which of course was, I mean, that's a whole other topic, but I think that was one of the strongest applications possible for crypto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big other topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the second half of the question, um, the, the gaming sector, I would say it's still also chaotic, uh, which makes it sometimes a little bit hard to navigate. In terms of, I think the mobile sector is is a little bit saturated uh, with games, but mm-hmm. in general, it's also that the development costs and uh, yeah. user acquisition costs for for mobile gaming have gone up. I yeah. guess the last three to five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that's that's right. Uh, but what the gaming sector has has that the esports sector does not have is that they actually have a very well monetized structure mm-hmm. and that is something that the esports sector really is is lacking and therefore i would say that the the gaming sector because both of them are still growing right mm-hmm. but if you have a growing sector with good monetization strategies and methods uh, then I would definitely go for for that sector in terms of of mm-hmm. investments if you want to see uh, your your ROI. <laughs> I mean, you can 
basically you have to treat esports as a tiny fraction of the gaming entertainment market mm-hmm. and i think that's why even investors or sponsorships or anybody entering this space should just look for hey what can i do in esports maybe mm-hmm. it's not something on the top level competitive side maybe it's something for the broad mass maybe it's something that is only local and uh, doesn't have to be competitive it's on mm-hmm. the amateur or casual side so that's why these are interrelated and just to give a ballpark for the listeners uh, and anything gaming entertainment video gaming mobile whatever gaming is ballpark 150 billion usd revenue per year and esports is around 1 billion so it's less than one percent and that has to be kept in mind but at the same time of course when it comes to sponsorships and attention i think uh, the ratio is a little bit different and that's yeah, maybe yeah. what makes it so attractive exactly yeah, as yeah. A market yeah there's a lot of publicity and emotions and passion going in yeah which we of course know from traditional sports i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's very similar with a different generation and something that of course is also different is that there's no developer for football or for basketball <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so <laughs> you, you don't need support uh, nobody needs to support football for the game to stay alive which of course with with publisher publishers and developers behind it uh, it's a little bit an additional layer i would say but other than that pretty easily comparable mm-hmm yeah okay so let's go to the next question um within esports and gaming so it could be both uh, depending how much time you want to spend on this mm-hmm. one what are some in- exciting investment types are there certain mm-hmm. categories or investment um, buckets where you think okay that really excites you for investments mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I can answer this both for esports and gaming at once. Uh, this time, uh, from a mm-hmm. very personal standpoint, I would say really all types of investments into ventures that enhance the experience in in gaming and esports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will probably pay off in in the long run. But in general, just from from the the personal standpoint here, uh, from someone who is interested in in esports and gaming and wants to see it grow, and has a lot of passion about it, um, that would be the the yeah like the the pet peeve point of view. Uh, in terms of of a raw investment, I would say. Um, all of the ventures that you can find that enable to activate money where there was for her uh, yeah, I'm sorry I'm switching into German <laughs> where there was no <laughs> where there was no uh, activation before mm-hmm. so, it's, so what could that be <laughs> if if I knew that exactly then I would probably <laughs> do that venture but <laughs> I mean, no, I mean something, maybe you have seen something where it happened back in the past right i'm uh, not talking about currently open space i mean one one of the things that we see that's kind of uh we we've mentioned it so often personally that it's it's almost boring to mention this here um but i would say gambling 
gambling in, mm-hmm. in esports is yes. is probably one of the big ones uh, to mm-hmm. to activate money. I'm personally I'm not a huge fan of it. I think responsible gambling is is very important. I know that I uh, I have a tendency to uh, possibly get lost in these things, so I'm I'm always very critical. Uh, with myself and with uh, those businesses in in general. Uh, other than that, hmm. and from a, from a portfolio perspective, of course, uh, anything that's uh, money gaming, it, if you do it well, it becomes a cash cow, which gives you large yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. funds to do other investments, maybe something riskier or something completely yeah. new. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go into uh, too big of a, a tangent here, but if you compare traditional sports uh, to esports in terms of the uh, the monetization of each fan, I I saw the numbers like I think one and a half years ago or something. Uh, there was a huge difference. I think. Uh, I don't have them in my head, but I, I think there were roughly in the area to of of five to to ten times um, the amount of money that uh, a traditional sports fan spends compared to an esports fan. And mm-hmm. yeah, this is uh, this is where you, of course there's different demographics, etc. Uh, you could make a, a case that. Uh, esports fans may not have as much disposable income as uh, traditional I sports think that's fans. The case. Yeah, yes. I, I, I think that's definitely the case. But um, I mean, if, if you too. if you if you see uh, if we would have the numbers of uh, the amount of income that goes through Twitch subscriptions, for example. If you would have that, for example, for this is this kind of an, an indicator because the, uh, this is the this is the thing, um, esports and gaming are so interwoven compared to to professional uh, sports and just sports as a hobby, yes. because there is no way that you can, as a traditional sports fan, uh, buy a ticket. To see Cristiano Ronaldo uh, just play, uh, just kick his ball against the wall or something like that, because that's <laughs> in, a what, yeah, in a training session or whatever. Well, you I mean, can, even the, you the, can do it, but yeah. it's not globally scalable. <laughs> yeah, even, you have but, to go there on the pitch, right? <laughs> exactly, but even even the training session, then you could say, okay, this is in the in the in the form of a, a team setting, etc. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you yeah, if you sure. count if you count if you count Twitch. Uh, you have not only your 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 pro gamers, you also have uh, the the content creators overall in in general. And people, I think, spend a lot of money on subscriptions and donations and bits and uh, whatever digital goods. Which exactly, I mean, it's a it's a difficult topic for me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm cautious because the thing is the intrinsic value is. Uh, it's in the experience, so it's very bad. Exactly, exactly. And the the main point here is, it's probably hard to. I don't know if there would be any person at all where you could say that person uh, watches esports 
but does not watch an individual streamer. I think there is there's probably a very small number of those people, but in general, if someone watches esports streams, he's gonna watch the individuals as well. Yeah, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless you have somebody who goes to events once a year, like you have it yeah. in, in soccer. <laughs> okay, I only watch worlds and European uh, championships. Ah, that's about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the only case where I can say, okay, maybe it happens. <laughs> yep. Cool. Um, and from the industry point of view, the esports and gaming entertainment industry, what kind of investments would bring this industry forward the most? So here thinking maybe a potential investor is actually not after the highest uh, return of investment. Somebody's really passionate about bringing this industry forward, maybe even having a say in um, how to do it so it's, it solidifies itself and matures. So what, what kind of investments would help on that front? Hmm. That's a tough one. I would probably answer this almost in, in the same manner. I would also say first, um, all that activate money and second, all that enhance experience because both of them will drive the, the, uh, esports and gaming sector forward immensely i think as a whole market you mean yeah exactly so, as a whole market and i think I, exactly and i think esports really needs it i think esports at some point um, needs to be able to stand on its own two feet mm-hmm. in in one manner or another and i think um i mean of course I don't have the the numbers for traditional sports in my head right now. Um, I think sponsorships still play a huge part in in them being successful. I don't mm-hmm. know if they would. It's more the media streaming, like the, yeah. the rights for TV and yeah. just broadcasting. Merchandise, much, much tickets. Bigger etc yeah, yeah match day but i i don't think if you ever get to a match day that that's equal from yeah. esports yeah, yeah. compared to uh traditional sports mm-hmm. although even in traditional sports they are now thinking on how to get the live uh, match day experience home to people so you can basically scale the match day presence mm-hmm. globally so that's also happening on the traditional sports side yeah Uh, I was thinking here on this point, actually anything that has to do with training and education and uh, development of players. So anything like uh, mm-hmm. local performance centers, maybe some high school and collegiate structure, this kind of thing too. Maybe even anything that promotes licenses for coaches, for mm-hmm. agents, these kind of things to to solidify the structure and get something in place where you have like a high quality kind of standardized mm-hmm. uh, pathway and also training for anybody who wants to go um, into the top percentile of game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you got me there because, I mean, education is, is always a big, big factor for me in, in general. I think education is extremely important. 
And of course, in a sector like this, to, to have a solid foundation, uh, you need the uh, the education as well. That's that's definitely true. Mm -hmm. Okay. And mm -hmm. then the next one is on performance. What kind of esports businesses looking maybe into last year or a few <laughs> years before? Yeah. What kind of esports businesses have been performing well? <sighs> financially i guess mm -hmm. yeah there is uh there's a, a hate love that i have <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's secret labs the secret labs the, yeah the gaming the chairs gaming chairs yeah exactly <laughs> i think they are genius and at the same time this whole thing is a little bit idiotic it's uh i hate it and i love it so much it's it's incredible <laughs> because i mean the the chairs themselves okay so um in in terms of quality i think they are they are quite nice um not the best ones uh they are in in terms of uh, an, a chair that you would want to actually sit down for hours and hours i think they are not very well done uh, we, we talked to our performance experts within yeah. our, our team as well and exactly on the ergonomic side there's uh there's still improvements possible yeah on the definitely chairs. so that's a big big one because really i mean we're talking about the longevity and, and overall health of people who sit anyway for a long time so mm -hmm. this one has to be uh definitely top priority for any of these chair companies yeah yeah definitely and um what what makes it so so genius and also so idiotic is it's basically the same product over and over and over again they have like uh three different variations uh that are based in in your uh, body size and and weight i'm kind of happy about mm -hmm. that so it's not like a, a uni size because some uh, some producers do that as well um mm -hmm. so this is this is one that they have going for them but uh, other than that really the customization is only optics only optics mm -hmm. maybe sometimes a little bit in the fabric but it's it's only optics and it's um uh branding so what they did really well is connecting with i don't know i rarely see any big uh esports organization that isn't partnered in in one way or another with secret labs so every every mm -hmm. one of the the big uh well, maybe not everyone but uh, most of the big okay, organizations yeah you can you can uh, you will find if you're a fan of cloud nine you will find your your cloud nine uh, secret labs chair if you're a fan of g2 you will find your g2 uh, secret labs chair you will also find your diva um, gaming chair you will find uh, a chair for world of warcraft horde if you are a fan of the horde rather than the alliance uh, you will find a, a game of thrones version even so nowadays uh, in 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 marketing and and sales really uh we have a lot of or let's say it like this um customization is is king in in mm -hmm. marketing at the moment and 
you can see that in, in Harley Davidson, for example, uh, because they allow you to to customize their bike really well for a, a wide variety of possible combinations. So mm-hmm. really the bike that you are going to get yourself um, is going to be highly individualistic and it's going to f- feel like it's actually yours. That's why mm-hmm. uh, I think that they're... Uh, that they're that them reaching out to to various brands, organizations, games, etc., and uh, make those chairs together with them using utilizing their marketing, utilizing utilizing their branding actually for themselves. It's like it's, it's mm-hmm. very very smart, and of course the chairs are, um, in my opinion, quite overpriced. Probably they have to pay uh, premium. For to the marketing. <laughs> exactly for the marketing that they are basically outsourcing uh to the organizations and to uh to the games and and what have you but uh yeah i think in in term in in raw terms of quality i would probably pay something a little bit over 100 uh mm-hmm. euros for for one of the chairs maybe up to one 150 if I'm feeling uh, if I'm feeling generous, but they are <laughs> at around I think they started around three sixty and go up to uh, four hundred something, <laughs> so quite high. I think they they are doing they are doing very well for themselves with with their business yeah, strategy. Sure. Yeah, some of these actually I mean merchandise in general, so apparel and. Uh chairs of course some of these actually have opened their own investment funds from all the cash mm-hmm. that they have going for themselves mm-hmm. or they do acquisitions and then it can be uh, really anything related of course yeah yeah cool and which of the from an investor or at least financial standpoint which of the teams do you think have been doing a particularly good job in the last one to five mm. years i mean there is a, a a really negative part of me that wants to say none of them uh <laughs> <laughs> but i think there there are some that are definitely better than the others uh the ones that come to my mind right now would definitely be cloud nine mm-hmm. g2 100 thieves and maybe unicorns of love but i didn't hear so much from from them recently so all of all of them uh, because of my background in in league of legends of course i will uh, know more of the league of legends organizations there's uh, probably other ones in in other games um fanatic yeah fanatic exactly fanatic is is another good one uh, I feel like I should know some some Counter Strike ones like uh, Virtus Pro we I mean, mentioned there, earlier, Navy. Yeah, but then the problem is, is it is it really on the on the financial side? Or is yeah, it on the general. Uh, yeah, the, the, this is this gaming? is this is the thing uh, because uh, I because think then you have to at least mention Face Clan as well uh, if it's purely on the oh yeah 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 profit and loss statement. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you want to call them an esports team, but I guess yeah. you just include them in this one. I think yeah. Um, so 
why are those why am i picking those why are they doing a good job i think at the moment and i i really hope this uh, changes up in the future a little bit but i think at the moment um you kind of have uh you tie the success of an esports organization um first and foremost to uh, them being able to compete so their success in competition Mm -hmm. uh secondarily which is kind of tied to that um the the players having famous and good players and retaining them for a long time and on the third point i would say comes the marketing then and okay. only fourth is i would say something like merchandise at the moment or other types of mm -hmm. monetary activation which is kind of uh, a little bit alarming for investors uh, because <laughs> yeah <laughs> you you see the the organizations that you are uh, that you are seeing in the mainstream as the successful ones are actually not the ones who uh, have the the best balance sheet or can dish out the the most merchandise i would venture that for example cloud9 can probably dish out more merchandise then uh, a smaller one like i don't know uh what is this one a smaller one hmm. Hmm. i don't broke although they're not that small yeah but small yeah, let's let's just take them i also don't want to bash any organization um, <laughs> too late <laughs> it's too late you cannot yeah. take it back yeah uh but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's uh, the better investment um mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, of I, course some of these are in private hands so mm -hmm. there's other of um other factors do you actually get to the people and are they currently willing to sell so of course there's yeah, a few exactly. ones um that are on on the stock exchange but mm -hmm. not many maybe a handful globally probably mm -hmm. less like two or three that come to my mind yeah but so then of course who, who do you know and how do you actually get to to the right people if yeah. you want to invest but money opens doors basically especially in the in the esports <laughs> industry where there is money sorely needed if if i would have 50 million and would come knocking to a g2 store um they would maybe sell me some some equity in private yeah for sure yeah for sure um maybe a short case study a little bit outside of esports mm -hmm. uh, namely into into football mm -hmm. by munich so because we in your ranking which i think of course makes absolute sense and uh, absolutely justifiable uh financial earnings came forth uh, when we look over to football german bundesliga by munich in the 19 i think early 1980s they got uh, to keep most of the match day income in the stadium olympia stadium in, in munich which was um, part of the local uh, government it wasn't owned by mm -hmm. them uh, so i i don't remember if they just uh, transferred ownership or if they just uh, got to keep most of the of the match day income but they basically built a massive war chest over the years in the 80s, 90s, 2000s mm -hmm. to do heavy investments. Of course, they also won, but winning and then translating it into cash reserves 
and then being able to at least on the local market which of course the the, the competition works a little bit differently in esports mm -hmm. but they were basically able to just constantly stay number one when it comes to transfers and uh, available payments and then of course uh, when you become first in your local league you also go to something uh, at least international mm -hmm. and football of course is champions league so it's not world stage because the the tournament for worlds uh, on a club level in football is not that exciting mm -hmm. um, but yeah this is basically cash first kind of including of yeah. course some early uh athletic success competitive success building a war chest and then in the 2000s of course the Al alliance arena in, in, in munich which was fully owned by bayern and then from that point basically you have constant uh, even higher match day income and mm -hmm. from there you're just rolling everyone over on the competitive side even though the <laughs> or a big part of your strength and the branding comes from, from the cash and uh, positive cash flow side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, now, I don't know how possible that is uh, on, on the esports equivalent, but it's at least interesting to have this kind of case study to see how the financial side could also be an uh, investor to jumpstart it. Mm -hmm. can translate to a permanent dominance on the competitive side. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I think in There's not a, a, a correlation of one for the mathematicians, uh, not a 100% uh, correlation. Uh, but I think to some extent, uh, money definitely uh, breeds success. If you have enough money in your war chest, then you can afford to, to fail here and there because you can just use more money to... Um, yeah flatten out the failures and where you don't make failures you make success and yeah and you build a barrier against your competition because exactly. as they come closer yeah. you, you put a, a fistful out of your war chest and uh, keep mm -hmm. the distance basically yeah and it's kind of uh <laughs> i'm gonna bring a league of legends analogy here um so personally in league of legends um I'm a jungler and what is what it means uh, I don't need to explain too much because what the main point in jungling is is there is uh, neutral camps that you can kill for money and there is uh, half of the camps are on your side half of the camps are on the opponent's side but the thing is um, when you are a really good jungler you know how to take away the valuable camps that are on the opponent's side that will then in turn in turn take away his resources and if you have it in, in the business equivalent if you have enough money if you have enough resources to just buy away the resources of your competitors then you are bound to succeed almost mm -hmm. i think that's a really good comparison for people who come from gaming and yeah. want to understand more <laughs> from the financial and business side so exactly <laughs> it's a it's a great way to to really engage the people who have this kind of background. Yeah. Okay, so the last two questions, um, back to really uh, investor point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually it's both sides, certainly. What kind of things do esports and gaming businesses need to do to have a good basis for 
incoming investments. Hmm. I think both for themselves and for investors, mm-hmm. uh, I think they should see that they have a solid foundation and, and solid goals that they know exactly what they are doing and why. And then that they are sticking to what they set themselves out to do. Of course, there's always leeway to to adapt to certain things. And sometimes that's even called for. But in general, you have to know who you are and uh, what you are doing this for and and stick with it for yourselves and uh, for your uh, possible, uh, maybe for people who already invested and for people who can potentially invest. It's very important uh, to know what they are getting when when dealing with you. And for that purpose, I would also say uh, transparency, that it is more that uh, first of all, the foundation and the goals are, uh, are easy to see as well but that you are that it's also easy to to see for potential investors what you are actually doing to achieve these things um, i mean here here a almost warning if you have an investor that is worth their money and uh, the attention they will do due diligence and yep. everything will come on the table and yeah uh, that's also important it can go both ways it can be that somebody says hey you you really have these kind of assets and the potential and yeah. you have certain things in your traction going of course we will give you the money and maybe help you even raise more in the, in the next round or even in an ipo than you were expecting but mm-hmm. most of the time of course and that comes back to transparency um, if somebody has done their due diligence there are things they could pick up on which of course would uh, um, have a impact on, on the investment either volume or go no go decision yeah and that's that's going to happen exactly uh the other way around it's uh maybe a little bit easier going but kind of true as well then if, if i would have an, an esports venture uh and someone wants to invest in me and he would not be interested in doing due diligence at all then i would be very cautious about him and about the the money mm-hmm. those can be um red true. flags yeah yep i get it uh, yeah uh, just I've to probe all... a little bit mm-hmm. just to probe a little bit here you said uh, these ventures from esports and gaming they need to have a good basis can you give some examples what what kind of things you mean under that category hmm. I really mean uh, a business plan. I mean that you um, need uh, need to to have made your your homework, uh, that you analyzed uh, the the target segment that you're going in, the target market, that you analyzed the potential customers, that really you have uh, thought about everything. So what you're uh, by foundation, I mean that you have mapped out everything. Uh, and then you only need to do it from that point on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really everything that is uh, included within a business plan, I would say. Something that we uh, we have, of course, on our agenda almost, I would say, weekly is uh, the topic pre-revenue or post-revenue investments. And I mean, that's not even something... Uh, esports and gaming industry related but 
Mm-hmm. What What do you think on that topic for investors about uh, investing pre-revenue or when the first clients, customers' income is generated? Hmm. I think um, for me personally, I would say pre-revenue would not be as big of an issue if I'm seeing that the the concept is right. Again, mm-hmm. uh, that the foundation is sound, that the goals are, are uh, good and attainable, that everything is, is transparent. I would have no problem in investing pre-revenue. Um, if there is a basis for this so of course the the uh the valuation that i'm gonna do about a company or a venture or whatever you want to call it in in this case uh revenue is gonna increase the valuation that i will make Mm -hmm. of of a um of a business if really everything uh then let's let's say you are someone who's seeking an investment and i'm the investor um if you are pre-revenue and all you really did was found the company and have an idea maybe have some some expertise then i can just do this i can pay someone to do your idea myself (laughs) <laughs> if if you don't have uh like for example su- supply channels that are uh that are difficult to to obtain for me or if i if you don't have expertise that is is hard to emulate by by other professionals that i could pay then uh you have to to definitely ramp up the equity that you are going to to give me for my investment or there's uh there's there's probably not a very big chance the the only thing i would say is um sometimes when you are in talks uh with with people who are doing a startup and also people in in private equity uh or who are maybe a little bit more established um sometimes you will get a sense for people i would call that are highly investable uh people that you know from their from the the way they think uh from the way they act from the way they they carry themselves from the ideal ideas they have uh not only up front but uh, ideas they come can come up with on the spot and and uh reactions to ideas uh, you sometimes notice that an individual is, is highly investable. And then uh, sometimes I would say, okay, this is uh, definitely something I can do an investment in purely on because this individual is, uh, in this case, an, an asset that is hard to copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the, the general rule of thumb, which is the idea is 10%, 30 to 40% the team and the rest execution, I think it holds true. Mm-hmm. And even even if you have to pivot or start from scratch, uh, if you have the right people and uh, you you can switch out the idea and it still works. What I can say is that I think the ha- as harsh as it sounds that somebody could run out and run away with your idea, I think it's a good it's a good um, advice and good way of thinking that okay if this can happen then 
you might be really uh, need to be careful about what kind of investments you're asking for pre-revenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that answer a lot. Yeah, yeah. This is this is something that people always have to have in mind, especially now that our society, in my opinion, is going more towards uh, almost I would almost say online begging in some forms. Uh, mm -hmm. that money is, is too you easily available. Yeah. You don't need to be somewhere in the street. You can scale yeah. it globally again. Yeah. The, the thing is, in, investors investors don't work like that. And if you approach an yes. investor with your business, then you have to think, what makes me attractive for the investor? And that is not ideas, uh, no matter how, how fancy they sound. Um mm -hmm. Except maybe it's it's a very elaborate and unique one, but you those are probably one in in thousand or one in, in ten thousand or something like that. But it is what do you already have, and you don't necessarily need to have already uh, made revenue. Maybe you have already uh, started to to program something. Maybe and that would even better. Maybe you have a, a patent. For something that is an asset mm -hmm. definitely that i would pay for as an investor this valued but uh i'm i'm seeing i mean i i've i've seen a lot of um a lot of startups but i think the worst ones that i have seen are people who really didn't do anything business-wise and only have an idea and then want a huge amount of money for a small percentage of of equity that is uh, basically just begging to me. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Then the last one, um, what are the top three questions that investors specifically here for esports and gaming uh, ventures should ask for? What, what should they probe for when assessing if whether they should invest into these esports and gaming ventures? Hmm. I'm glad that you ask like that mm -hmm. and not what would you ask them uh, because there are some mm -hmm. questions that I would ask, actually ask myself as an investor uh, mm -hmm. I think the the I don't know if I'm going to stick to three questions, but the first question I would ask myself is, uh, why do I need this or why do I want this? Mm -hmm. the second one would be, is there better ways for this, uh, for fulfilling this want or need outside of gaming and esports? So just because it's gaming and esports doesn't mean that it's better than non-gaming and non-esports. Mm -hmm. uh, Then of course, as I said earlier, I would. It's it's important to do the due diligence and ask for the the infos like business plan, financial prognosis, the assets, um, vision and mission. And other than that, I would probably ask what does set you apart from competitors in general 
and also specifically in regards to the wants and needs that I identified for myself, which could be really anything. Maybe I want to have, maybe I want to have the prestige of of uh, being invested into uh, into an esports organization. Then of course I'm I'm there will be no uh, option outside of esports and gaming because it's an esports organization that I want. Uh, maybe it's it's return on investment, purely the money. Um, then I would definitely want to see. Okay, what is your your foundation for this, and um, also what are you, what sets you apart from your competitors in what you do, and how can you fulfill uh, my return on investment better than your competitor that I could invest in, potentially. Mm-hmm. I think those would be the the main questions that come to my mind. <laughs> Maybe something almost sneaky, but sneaky in a good way is <laughs> to really also go back to people that have worked with the team or the founder in the past and get opinions from them. It doesn't even have to be esports related. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So really, yeah, really yeah. go to to the network <laughs> to the past. Uh, yeah. You would almost say stakeholders or contacts. And Just stalk understand. them on Facebook and ask them, <laughs> ask their ex-girlfriend uh, what they think. <laughs> Something like that. No, that's uh, I think that a good helps, method. Though. Yeah, yeah. Because again, I mean, the idea maybe ten percent the team mm-hmm. very important, mm-hmm. and of course the team is the one that will have a large say in the execution. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it's Definitely. really important to know who you're dealing with. If yep. somebody has a track record of successful companies or a successful career, or at least oh, yeah. uh, generally something that they have been very uh, special in. I mean, sometimes it's not a big deal if a founder is really young. Mm-hmm. Esports generally has probably the youngest, uh, let's say, leadership as an industry. Yeah. Uh, compared to any other industry and of course it's important to be cautious but sometimes uh, you you see that people within very young years they already have uh, only good things uh, that people say about them that Mm -hmm. have dealt with them and then it's not that big of a deal yeah definitely and i mean this is this is uh, the goes back to the the personal point again i really like the idea of of highly investable individuals and mm-hmm. i mean i i don't want to go as far as to say that uh, everyone knows someone but you can find people where you just know okay uh if i ever uh if i ever um come to be wealthy uh then i'm gonna give this person a million and tell him okay uh tell him or her okay just do anything that you want uh with this money i mean other than than blackjack and hookers of course uh, i mean in the terms <laughs> in the terms of a, of a startup of a business uh follow the ideas that you have and and just do it and mm-hmm. yeah i think as as you said idea of course there are there are really good ideas out there and that might be a little bit different but in general uh the economy is so large um and you can differentiate so much within your uh, your company your startup 
uh, that the idea really doesn't matter too much. It's it's mostly about the the execution and the type of, mm-hmm. of elbow grease. The other other way around, you have a good idea but the wrong team and the wrong execution. It will never yeah. work. Never, yeah, exactly. Never, never. Yeah. That's probably the most frustrating thing ever then. <laughs> probably also the most dangerous for people who haven't been uh, doing due diligence or mm-hmm. um, haven't been cautious enough in that investment because oh, yeah. it's then hard to understand why certain things didn't work out and where the money went. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so let's wrap it up. Thank you. We, You and I will continue to... Um, attend the Esports <laughs> Investment Summit and uh, get to know some more people and hopefully have interesting conversations with them just as we had right now. Oh yeah, was my pleasure to talk to this a bit during <laughs> <Great>. the break. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, to everyone who is listening, have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.